This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. And before I do anything else, a very happy new year on this first day of 2021. Now, I love the work of Boris Karloff, and that's who stars in our first show tonight, Inner Sanctum's Corridor of Doom. It aired in 1945. Excellent horror story about a sick man in a hospital who finds himself walking down an endless hallway, approaching the door with his name written on it. Have you thought about death lately, and not the fact that it's inevitable, it must come to all of us someday, but rather how it would come? Do you think of it as sleep or an awakening or a sudden transition from one state of being to another to a state of non-being? Are you convinced that St. Peter will be at the heaven gate to welcome you? Or are you a little apprehensive about the sins you've committed over your lifetime that might mean a more painful end? Well, tonight we hear the story of John Clay, one of those people who never thought about it at all, until he found himself walking down that dim and endless passage, the Corridor of Doom. Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup present Inner Sanctum Mysteries, starring Boris Karloff. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. This is your host. Welcome again through the squeaking door to another session of mystery, murder, and madness. Oh, excuse me if I don't get up, but I'm all worn out. Yes, I've had a hectic few days with an old friend who just blew into town. He's one of those earnest souls who insists on doing everything for himself. Consultations with the monument makers, the grave diggers, fittings of the coffin maker. Yes, quite a busy body. But then we only die once, you know. (laughs) These friends of yours, they're such unhappy people. They never seem to enjoy life. Never seem interested in any of the quiet, peaceful, good things of life. For instance, what's the use of telling one of your spooky characters about Lipton tea? They wouldn't like it. But other people enjoy that brisk Lipton flavor. They settle back in an easy chair and say to themselves, Mmm, Lipton certainly has a rich, hearty flavor. Never the least bit wishy-washy. No siree. But would a ghost appreciate Lipton's? Indeed, he would not. And it's lucky Lipton's is made for real live folks who like good things. Or else it wouldn't be the world's largest selling brand of tea. Mary, you've been very hard on my friends. Very. And they won't like it. 
But then most live folks don't enjoy being scared to death. And that's just what's going to happen to you tonight. Our story is called The Corridor of Doom. It's an original radio play written by Robert Newman. And our star tonight is a man who gives even me the shakes. The famous star of stage, screen, and radio, Boris Karloff. Have you thought about death lately? Not the fact that it's inevitable, that it must come to all of us someday, but rather how it will come. Do you think of it as a sleep and a waking, of a sudden transition from one state of being to another, or to a state of non-being? John Clay was one of those people who never thought about it at all, until he found himself walking down that dim and endless passage which... But suppose we let Boris Karloff in the role of John Clay tell you about it himself. If your blood pressure will take it, put out the lights and come on a little trip down the corridor of doom. When I woke up, I had no idea of where I was or how I'd gotten there. I was lying on a hard white bed in a clean white room. There was a dull pain in my abdomen. Touching it tentatively, I felt a bandage. So that was it. An operation. But for what? And where was I? At that moment, the door opened. And she came in. Good afternoon. Or is it evening? Whichever you prefer. It doesn't matter. My name's Clay. John Clay. Yes. And yours? You can call me Nada. Exactly. Where am I? In what hospital? It has no name. What? But that's ridiculous. I'd like to speak to Dr. Rogers. If you'll get him for me, please. There is no Dr. Rogers. At least, not here. Then who operated on me? And for what? Listen... <laughs> I'm not a well man. I've a very bad heart. Will you get someone who can talk to me? If you wish. I'll call Dr. Stone. A chill crept through my bones. It wasn't cold. It was fear. Unreasoning and abysmal fear. The door opened again, and there stood a heavy-set man, his hair flecked with grey, and with him, my son-in-law, Alex Bartlett. Alec, I can't tell you how glad I am to see you. Hello, Father. But why are you standing out there? Why don't you come in? Oh, no. No, I shouldn't advise it, Mr. Clay. And why not? And why... Oh, was it you who operated on me? Yes. I'm Dr. Stone. Why wasn't Dr. Rogers called in? He's taken care of me for years. There wasn't time. It happened during the night. Acute appendicitis. And even as it was... Even as it was? What? And why are you dressed that way, Alec? All in black. Well, it's customary. After all, you are my father-in-law. Of course I am, but... Now, look, Alec, you've got to stop being so mysterious. You know about my heart, what any sudden shock will do. I don't think you need worry about that anymore, Mr. Clay. And as far as the mystery is concerned, this initial period of adjustment is always a little difficult. Difficult? 
Do you realize what it's like lying here helpless, completely isolated, as if I were all alone in the world? Or isn't there someone I can talk to? Some of the other patients? Not just yet. When the time comes, you'll meet them. But... Look, Doctor, I can't stand much more of this. I can't. If I don't find someone who really cares about me, who'll treat me like a normal human being... My dog. How about my dog? What do you think, Doctor? Yes, that's possible. We'll see what we can do, Mr. Clay. Come along, Bartlett. Goodbye, Father. You, you'll be back, won't you, Alec? I don't know. I'll try, but it's difficult. Very difficult. Then, then don't go, Alec. Don't leave me here all alone. Come back. Come back. I waited and watched, watched and waited. Then the door opened and there was the doctor again. There was a small, thin-faced man with him this time, wearing the white coat of an orderly and carrying a black box with a handle. My dog. You brought my dog. All right, Martin. Give it to him. Yes, sir. Oh, thank heaven. Now, at least. Come on, Gary. Come on, boy. Get up. Wake up. Why, what's the matter? Gary. He... He's not asleep. He's dead. You wanted him, Mr. Clay. But... But why didn't you tell me? When did he die? How? How old was he? Eleven and a half. Maybe twelve. Pretty old for a dog. That's probably why he could come. What do you mean? What are you trying to do to me? Don't you realize I'm a sick man? Easy, easy, Mr. I Clay. won't take it easy. I won't stay here another minute. I'm leaving right now. Sorry, but I don't think we can permit... Oh, no, well, we'll see about that. You're getting yourself all upset for no reason, Mr. Clay. Making it very difficult for the rest of us. Martin, uh, yes, you'd better let me have some of that, that bottle there. About 10 cc's. The uh, red medicine? Yes. I... I don't want any medicine. I, I won't take it. Now, please, Mr. Clay. I won't, I tell you. No, I, I don't want the... I... It's, oh, it's awful. Oh, salty. It... It tastes like... Yes. But I think you'll find that it will make things much easier for you. Very much easier. You're... You're doping me up. That's what you're doing. Putting me to sleep. You... I think that when I wake up, I'll, I'll forget about everything. Yes, Mr. Clay. You'll forget about everything. Everything. I was somewhere deep down under the earth. It was a passageway, stone flagged and with stone walls and I was walking slowly down it in my bare feet. I could feel the chill of the cold stones through the thick layer of dust. The passageway stretched ahead of me endlessly. And suddenly, I noticed that there were doors set into the walls on either side. Closed doors. And on each door there was a name. Abel. Abercrombie. Abington. Where was I? What was this place? 
What was behind those awful, ominously closed doors? Something seemed to be drawing me on, on down the terrible passageway. Addison, Agar, Alan. I could feel the cold creeping up my legs, higher and higher, my heart pounding faster and faster. Then suddenly I knew, knew where I was and where I was going. Knew what was waiting for me there ahead of me down the passage. Exerting all my will, I turned, tried to go back. With a roaring in my ears, I was falling through the darkness. I opened my eyes. I was in that cold, white room again, clutching the blankets with trembling hands. How do you feel now, Mr. Clay? You cried out, sir, as if... A dream. The most awful, horrible nightmare I ever had. A dream? The doctor will be very interested. Would you care to tell me all about it? Oh, I don't even want to think about it. It was about your former life? Former life? Oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I meant... Here, where are you going? Get my clothes to get out of here. I won't stay but here. But you can't moment. go. You can't, Martin. Help me. Please, oh, let Clay, me. Let go. Don't you, oh, don't you realize that if I do stay here, if I dream that dream again? Listen. I was in a passageway, an endless, eternal passageway like a corridor of doom. It stretched on and on to infinity with doors, closed doors on either side. And on each one of the doors in alphabetical order, there was a name. The name of all those who had died since the beginning of time. I was walking down that corridor on my bare feet and... Why? Why are you looking at me that way? You mustn't talk about that. You mustn't, do you hear? But but you asked me... You didn't dream that dream. You couldn't have. And you've got to get it out of your mind. We'll help you. We'll give you a massage. That should make you relax. The alcohol, Martin, right over there. A massage? You think that'll help? If it doesn't, we'll call Dr. Stone. Try something else. Martin. I see. Now what? What are you staring at? Your... Your feet. Mm, On the soles. Dust. Thick, gray dust. (gasps) Dust. Like the dust in the passage. The corridor of doom. And that means... It wasn't a dream. It means... I was really there. Dirty feet on those nice, clean sheets. No wonder our friend the nurse seemed so upset. Or was that the reason? Maybe she was just disappointed that he still hadn't told her about his operation. As that always has them in stitches. Great big stitches, like the ones they take in a shroud. Mr. Host, I'm afraid I just can't believe this story. I can't believe that it really happened. Is that so, Mary? Do you think Mr. Clay got that gray dust in his feet because he has feet of clay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go again, always looking on the discouraging side of things. I really do believe I'd rather talk to cheerful folk, like those nice young men and women who sang that new Lipton tea song when I was at the studio. Sing a song of Lipton's. Yes, that's the way people ought to feel about tea. Because, you know, when you're feeling discouraged or tired, there's nothing quite like that brisk flavor of Lipton tea to perk you up. 
Yes, brisk means that Lipton's is never wishy-washy. No, no, no siree, as they say in the song. So when you've had a busy afternoon, or maybe when friends drop in for a little talk, pour yourself a cup of cheer with brisk-flavored Lipton tea. It's got a special flavor that always tastes like home. And it always tastes like more, too. Well, now I think it's about time to take another little walk. Yes, down the corridor of doom. With our star, Boris Karloff. And by the way, don't be concerned about getting too tired, because you'll only have to walk one way. That's the nice part of a trip like that. You don't have to worry about coming back. <laughs> I lay there, staring down at my feet. No, it had not been a dream. But there, on my feet, was the thick, heavy dust from the corridor of doom. I had been there, walking down its awful silence, not in my mind, but in the flesh. My heart clenched like an icy fist that I threw the blankets aside, started to get up. Mr. Clay, what are you doing? Where are you going? Let me go. But you can't get up. You can't leave Oh, no, let me go. Martin, I quick, say... help me. Please, Mr. Clay. Oh, for heaven's sake, let me go. Don't you realize what this means? If it wasn't a dream, and if I stay here, go down to that horrible place We've again... We've got to make him quiet down. Some more of that medicine, Martin. Oh. Another 10 cc. Right. Oh, oh no, no more of that. It's here, Mr. Clay. You must take it. You must. It will make you sleep. Sleep so soundly that you won't be able to go down there again. No, but... All right. Give it to me. Here. You stay here, Martin. I'll go get Dr. Stone and tell him. Better, Mr. Clay? I don't know. Color. Dark red. The taste. It's like... Yes, I know. And it makes me sleepy. My eyes get heavy and... Have you been here for a long time, Martin? No, not long. What... What is it like... outside of this room? It's... strange. Like no place else. And the other patients? What are they like? They're strange, too. Listen, Martin... I'm a rich man. You're the only friend I've got here. You, you've got to help me. Whether you're rich or poor doesn't matter. As for helping you, that's what I'm here for. You've got to stay here. Watch me. Every minute. My heart. I don't think it will stand first sensation was one of cold, numbing cold, creeping up my limbs. I reached for the blankets, couldn't find them. Then I opened my eyes, and I was there again, back there in that awful endless passage, that corridor of doom. The same stone wall, stone floor, covered with a thick layer of dust. The same doors with a name on each one on both sides of me. But now... Now I was up to the bees. That one there, Baba, next with Babbitt and then Backer. I tried to cry out, but I couldn't utter a sound. I tried to stop, check myself. My muscles didn't respond. Slowly, heavily, I continued walking on down that endless passage. Past Badger, Baffin, Bagley, past the bees and towards the seas. Towards a door 
my name on it. My heart pulsed, pounding with terror. My breath rasped in my throat. Convulsively, I clutched at the walls, forced myself completely around. Then, as if I were fighting against a roaring gale, I drove myself back. One step I took, two, three, and I stumbled. I was falling again, falling through darkness, complete, absolute, unending. Even before I opened my eyes, I knew where I was. Back in my room, the sheets crumpled in my sweating hands. I lay there for a moment. I knew that this was my last chance. I slipped out of bed, tiptoed to the door of the room, opened it a crack and peered out a hospital corridor. And sitting at a desk halfway down at the nurse... I slipped past her. Then on a table next to the door, I saw the telephone. A telephone! Now I could get help. Would someone who would save me, take me out of this place? Picking it up quietly, I dialed my daughter's number, Alec Bartlett's wife. Jane? Oh, thank heaven. Hello? Jane, it's your father. Listen, you've got to help me. You've got to come and get me. I'm at the hospital. Alex Hello? knows where. Hello, is anyone there? Yes, can't you hear me? Didn't you hear what I said? It's your father. And Jane, Jane. Hung up. I heard her, but she couldn't hear me. Something wrong with the phone, her phone. I've got to get hold of somebody, somebody, but who? Dr. Rogers? Oh, I might be out. And if they come in while I'm phoning... Oh, I know, of course. Police headquarters, Ryan speaking. Hello, police. This is John Clay of Riverside Road. I'm at a hospital. I don't know where. Hello? Can't you hear me, officer? For heaven's sake, listen. It's a matter of life and death. John Clay at a hospital. My son-in-law, Alec Bartlett, can tell you where. Hello? Officer, officer, listen. Don't hang up. Officer, officer, Hello? Anything the matter, Mr. Clay? Uh, Dr. Stone, uh, your telephone, there's, there's something wrong with it. No, Mr. Clay, there's nothing wrong. Not with the telephone. But, but I tried to make two calls. Two different numbers, and... I know. And you should have known. Nurse, all of Should have known what? Why couldn't they hear me when I could hear them? Why? Yes, Dr. Stone? Will you put Mr. Clay back into bed? No. I'm awfully sorry, sir. I only went out for a minute. No. Come on, Mr. Clay, No, no, please. leave me alone, please. Mr. Let Clay, go. No, no, you're struggling. You know that, don't you? <gasps> yes, I know. Doctor, I won't have to go back down there again, will I? Down to the corridor? That's not up to me. All right, nurse. I think we're ready for another dose. The final one. Yes, doctor. No, Doctor. No, not that red medicine. Not again. I'm sorry, but you've had a lot of time. All the time we can give you. All right, Mr. Clay. No, I won't Here. take it. You know what it means, Doctor. I go back down there again to the corridor. It'll be to the letter C. To the place where my name is. If he won't take it by himself, perhaps you'd better help her, Martin. Yes, sir. No, Here. no, no, Clay. I won't. I... <laughs> 
Before I opened my eyes, I could feel the dust under my bare feet and through the dust, the biting chill of the cold stones. I was there, back in the corridor, walking down its silent length past the blank, closed doors. For the names on the doors, now they were all C's. Cabot, Cadden, Cahoon. On I walked, the beating of my heart, the pounding of my pulse loud in my ears. On down the passage, no longer even trying to fight against what I knew was a On past Cameron, Chelsea, Chiswick, and then, suddenly... Terribly, one door. A door with my name on it, gaping, waiting for me. I tried to stop, to turn, but my legs carried me forward. I was but two doors away. I could see into it now, see that it contained nothing. Absolutely nothing, not even a coffin. Just stone walls and a flat stone stab. I was turning, turning to step over the threshold. I made a last convulsive effort. Merciful heavens, help me. Save me. All right, Martin. Pick him up. Yes, sir. Is it all over? Hello, Bartlett. In at the death, eh? I'll see if there's any pulse, of course, but... I should think it is all over. It is, Stone, but not the way you think. What? Clay... He's not dead. No thanks to you. All right, get him up, both of you. Here, Mr. Clay, let me help you. It's all right, Martin. I'll be fine from now on. But how... Don't look so surprised, Alec. Mr. Martin is a detective. I hired him some time ago. (laughs) You see, I had a feeling that something was wrong when that railing broke accidentally, and I took that bad fall. So I decided I should investigate. You can't prove it. You can't prove anything. The first results of Martin's investigation showed me what bad financial shape you were in. And it was then that I realized that you had actually been trying to murder me to get hold of my money. So I faked that story of having a very bad heart. You you mean it? I thought it would give you the idea of trying something more subtle and less dangerous. And it certainly did. But you still can't prove anything, not a thing. No, don't you worry about that. Don't forget. Come back here, Bartlett. You'll never have a chance to prove it. Come back, Bartlett. Oh, you shot him, killed him. Well, I, I couldn't have. I, I fired up in the air to get him to stop. Come on. I don't understand it. Huh. Got a mark on him. But he is dead. He was the one who had the bad heart. That's what gave me the idea of pretend. Good heavens, look. At what? This hallway was supposed to be the corridor of doom. When I reached the door with my name on it, I was supposed to die. Look. Look at the name on that door there. The one right next to him. Bartlett. His name. So what? Nothing, Martin. Nothing at all. Dr. Stone got the idea for that little alphabetical graveyard. That's right, for me. Huh? You don't believe me? 
And come on home with me tonight, and I'll show you the one in the cellar of my house. What's more, I'll show you a door and a neat stone slab with your name on it. Nonsense, Mr. Host. Mr. Clay just explained that the whole thing was a hoax. And I'm not going to sit here and hear you say otherwise. Well, then don't sit. Stand up and we'll take a walk, Mary Bennett. Yes, back to your name. Back to the bees. Baker Bartlett Bennett. <laughs> you don't scare me. Yeah? Well, how would you like it if we went to the L's and found a door marked Lipton? Oh, why, that's fine. Inside, we'd find a wonderful, friendly beverage. Lipton's, the tea with the brisk flavor. The tea that's welcome at all hours of the day. Yes, the largest selling brand of tea in the whole world. Lipton tea. And now a word of advice. If you should wake up tonight with a sudden chill, find yourself walking barefoot down a dusty stone corridor with doors on both sides of it, don't get excited. Just insist on a doom with a view. <laughs> by the way, this month's Inner Sanctum Mystery Novel is The Whistling Legs by Roman McDougall. Yes, and next week's Inner Sanctum story, directed by Hyman Brown... And brought to you by Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup. Next week's story is about women. Yes, two women who like to be treated rough. Choke them to death, shoot them, murder them. They love you for it. And who do you think is going to be their boyfriend? Hmm? <laughs> That's right. Boris Karloff. Boris Karloff will be with us again next week. Because who else could love such women? So, if you're in a tender mood, tune in next Tuesday. Until then, good night. Pleasant dreams? Hmm? It's wonderful how quick and easy cooking can be these days. I guess some of you remember when it used to take half a day to make a pot of chicken noodle soup. But now we have Lipton's noodle soup mix. You might say Lipton's takes no time at all to prepare, and yet it has a, a fresh cooked chickeny taste, a real old-fashioned homemade flavor. Yes, and it's brimful of tender golden egg noodles. Lipton's is grand for quick meals, and it's also a perfect beginning for the most elaborate dinner. So don't forget to serve Lipton's noodle soup. And don't forget to tune in next Tuesday night for another Inner Sanctum Mystery. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for Robert Young starring in another episode of Father Knows Best. Father Knows Best, a family comedy of the 1950s, perhaps more important for what it's become to represent than for what it actually was. In essence, the series was one of a slew of middle-class family sitcoms in which moms were moms, kids were kids, and fathers, well, they knew best. 
the brainchild of series star Robert Young, who played insurance salesman Jim Anderson and producer Eugene B. Rodney. His wife, Margaret Anderson, played by Jane Wyatt, daughter Betty Anderson, played by Eleanor Donahue, and son Bud, portrayed by Billy Gray. Kathy Anderson, played by Lauren Chapman. Time to check out now into the family household and see what's on everybody's mind. Mother, why did Daddy switch to Postum? Your father says there's no caffeine in Postum. Nothing to spoil your sleep. And your father knows best. Yes, it's Father Knows Best, transcribed in Hollywood, starring Robert Young as father. A half-hour visit with your neighbors, the Andersons. Brought to you by Instant Postum, the good-tasting drink that's entirely caffeine-free, and by Post 40% Brand Flakes, America's largest-selling brand flakes. As far back as history has recorded her activities, woman has been a rather puzzling creature, especially when she's going through what is known as the teenage. A good case in point is young Betty Anderson. But before we can reveal the capricious maneuvers of her feminine mind, we must first look in on the principal male member of the family, Jim Anderson, as he settles himself in the den to do some work in the quiet of his home. Like this. I see now. Uh, this ought to be a good place for the dictating machine. Well, be careful you don't scratch the table, dear. This won't scratch it. I have it on my desk at the office all the time. I don't see why you had to lug that home. I told you why, honey. I have a lot of letters to dictate, and it's impossible to do it at the office while they're remodeling the building. Oh. Air hammers pounding away, pneumatic drills, enough to drive a man crazy. Well, it'll be nice and quiet here, and I won't let the children bother you. Good. Want me to close the door? Yeah, that's a good idea. Anything you want now? No, that's fine. Well, I'll keep the children quiet. Good. Well, let's see here now. Letters. Might as well start with this one, I guess. Uh, Mr. Vernon W. Gillespie, 447 North Menlo Street. Dear sir, and Ray policy number 821X49493Q. Under separate cover, we are returning your above-numbered policy together with... Hi, Daddy. Uh, Kathy, I'm trying to do some work. That's okay, Daddy. You won't bother me any. Well, Kathy... There's a new family moving in next door, and I want to watch them unload. Well, can't you watch them somewhere else? This is the only window where you can see them. Well, all right, but just be quiet. I will, Daddy. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Returning your above-numbered policy together with the loan agreements and the vouchers... Hi, Dad. How come you're home? Oh, uh, got some work to do. There's a new family moving in next door, Dad. So I've heard. Move over, shrimp. You're taking up all the room. Uh, but... You don't need all that room. Kids. Hey, look, they're carrying in a bicycle. Must have a boy in the family. Uh, I kids. wonder how old. Kids. Oh, probably some little squirt about your size. Boy, I hope so. Kids, I'm trying to dictate some letters here. Do you mind? Oh, sorry, Dad. We'll keep quiet. <sighs> oh, where was I? Oh, yes. Oh. Returning your above-numbered policy with the loan agreements... Kathy, what are you doing in here? Nothing. They bothering you, dear? 
Oh, no. <laughs> I told them to stay out of here. Come on, children, leave your father alone. Oh, just a minute, Mom. We want to watch just a little longer. Watch what? It seems there's a new family moving in next door. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. Let me see, Bud. Oh, me. <laughs> well, look at that lovely buffet. Come here, dear. Margaret, I... My stars. Look at that tomato-colored Davenport. Well... Better make the best of this. Let's see, where was I? Ah, uh, better start over. Mr. Vernon W. Gillespie, 447 Menlo Street. Dear sir. Hey, where is everyone? Under separate cover. Oh, hello, Father. We are returning. Betty, don't make any noise. Your father's trying to work. Your above-numbered policy. Are you working, Father? Who can tell? <laughs> Above-numbered policy, together... Hey, Betty, with... we're watching the new family. Kathy, shh. Oh, how utterly plebeian can you be? With the loan agreements and the voucher... Mother, I'm ashamed of you for stooping to such... Gee, look at the boy who just drove up in the station wagon. Is he going to live there? Oh, I suppose so. Yeah, that's the second time he's driven up with a load. Oh, isn't he cute? <sighs> and to think he's going to live right next door. Oh! Princess. Oh, such beautiful, wavy, black, utterly, utter hair. How can I meet him? Okay, I give up. The simplest way I know of is to go out there and say hello. Here, let me see him. Go out there and say hello? You said you wanted to meet him, didn't you? Oh, don't be so utterly Model T. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let's see. How can I do it? I want to attract his attention in some good, subtle way. You might go out there and start throwing meatballs at him. <laughs> oh, hush. You might catch his eye that way. Well, hey, don't go away mad. My dear, sweet, beloved family, would it be asking too much to have you clear out of here and let me get to work? Your father's right, children. You've got to stay out of here. In a minute, Mom. No, right now. Come on, Kathy. All right, Mommy. In a minute. I hope you kids don't fall out that window. Come on, children. Right this second. Okay, Mom. Coming. Holy cow. Look at Betty out there. Out where? She's out there sweeping the sidewalk. <laughs> My stars. Right over near the station wagon. <laughs> well, why didn't she put on a coat? She's going to catch cold. I think she has something else in mind she's trying to catch. <laughs> Look, she's practically over on their sidewalk now. Next time that guy comes out, he'll trip over. Well, that's probably the basis of her whole subtle plan. <laughs> There he comes out of the house. This should be very interesting. The designing female in operation. Shh. Boy, look at her sweep. I wish I could get that kind of work out of her in the kitchen. Pretends she doesn't see him. He didn't even see her. Walked around her. <laughs> Escape the trap. I'm going to call that girl in here. This is ridiculous. Wait, Mommy. He's got a lamp and he's heading back again. Maybe she'll get him this time. Why doesn't she trip him with a broom? By golly, I believe that's what she's going to do. 
Oh, no, she's spraining her ankle. <laughs> Pretty good fall she faked there. He's stopping this time. He has to. She's blocking the sidewalk. <laughs> he's bending down. He's going to help her up. No, he's not. He's just picking up her broom and handing it back to her. <laughs> there he goes again. Eh, this boy's no fool. Well, I'm going to call her in the house right this minute. The very idea. Girl her age... Oh, I guess I won't have to. She's coming back in. Aw, oh, shucks. I thought this was going to be the beginning of a beautiful romance. <sighs> well, it might have if she just bothered to use one little word. Hello. I don't think you quite understand the workings of a young girl's mind, Jim. I'm positive I don't. I realize that more every day. Now that all the excitement is over, will all you spectators please clear out and let me get to work? Come on, children. You've got to stop bothering your Hi, father. Hi, sis. How's your broken leg? Oh, you keep quiet. Betty, I don't think it was very ladylike of you to go out there and do Mother, all... there is the utterly stupidest, the most utterly ignorant boy I've ever seen in my whole utter life. I don't know. I thought he was rather a gentleman. Handed you back your broom. Oh, poo. You can't ask more than that of a gentleman. Well, I just hope I never have to speak to that insufferable little... He's looking over toward our house. Is he really? <laughs> Maybe he saw me after all. How could he help it? Maybe if I'd put on that pretty new red dress I've got, I think I'll try it. Now, Betty, don't do anything like that. Oh, dear, that girl. Well, come on, children. Let's leave your father alone so that he can get to work. Great idea. Come on, Kathy. Come on, but... Wait a minute. Where is Bud? I don't know. He was right here a minute ago. Bud! Margaret, can't you hunt for him in some other room? <laughs> That's strange how he disappeared so fast. Well, come on, Kathy. Okay, Mommy. Mother! What is it, Betty? You know where my red checkered hair ribbon is? You mean the plaid one? I looked there. It's not there. Well, try the other drawer. <laughs> Oh, how I long for the peace and quiet of the pneumatic drills. Well, come on, Kathy. You come out in the kitchen with me. Okay, Mommy. You go ahead and work, Jim. That was vaguely the plan I had in mind. Where's Betty? I got news for her. Hey, where did you go, bud? Next door. Where's Betty? Is she upstairs? Did someone call me? Yeah, I did. Hey, look, I got some news. How do I look, Mother? You look fine, but... I don't approve of you dressing up just to attract some new boy. What will Ralph say about this? Oh, I'm not speaking to him anymore. This week. <laughs> Father, tell me, if you were that boy next door, would you give me a second look? Yes. I'd take a second look to see what you've done with your broom. <laughs> Sis, do you want to hear what i got to tell you, or don't you? It's about that cluck next door. The new boy? Yeah. You want to meet him, don't you? Why do you think I've got on this outfit? Well, you're going to get your wish. I am? Yep, Fred's coming over here. That's his name, Fred. He, he's coming over here? Yep. I can hardly believe it. How did you manage it? Oh, it was simple. I just told him you were dying to meet him, so he's coming over to meet you. <laughs> oh, no, no, you didn't. Oh, you ruined me. What did I do? This is the end, the end of everything. Wait, Betty, it's not as bad as you think. Oh, this is awful. Dad. Yes, son? What did I do wrong? 
I wish I knew, son. I wish I knew. how to split the atom, he's learned how to send voices and pictures through the air, but by golly, there's one problem he hasn't solved. He hasn't figured out women. Look at what's going on in the white frame house on Maple Street. Just because Bud went next door and told the new boy that Betty wanted to meet him, you'd think the world was coming to an end. Jim and Bud and Margaret are in the downstairs hall, and Betty is on the upstairs landing. The thunderbolts are flying. Stand back. Why was I born to think that my own brother would do this? Now, Betty, be reasonable. How could anybody be so utterly, utterly stupid? All I did Betty, was... Betty, dear, listen. This is the end, the absolute end. I'll never be able to show my face outside again. I'll have to leave town. Holy cow. Oh, to die, to die, but to utterly die. She must have popped a cork. <laughs> Bud, you should have known better. All I did Margaret, was... Margaret, why is it Bud's fault? Betty was doing everything but setting the house on fire to meet the boy. I know, dear, but... Bud I... simply did the logical thing. What's wrong with telling this friend, or, or whatever his name is, that Betty wants to meet him and inviting him over? Yeah, I don't get it. Look, it's very simple. When a girl says she wants to meet a boy, she means that she wants to meet him... But she wants the boy to not think she wants to meet him, but that he wants to meet her. <laughs> Don't you see? No. You explain it to him, dear. <laughs> Me explain it? I don't see it either. <laughs> well, it's so obvious. A girl can't throw herself at a boy. Are you kidding? <laughs> There's nothing more embarrassing to a girl than to have a boy think she's chasing him. You know that, dear. Well, certainly I do, Mommy! but... Mommy! Oh, I have to go out to the kitchen and see what Kathy wants. You understand all that, Dad? <laughs> yes, I suppose. Uh, come to dance, son. I'll try to explain. Uh, sit down, bud, old man. Gee... The way Mom talked, you, well, you'd think I'd committed a crime or something. Well, son, women are funny. <laughs> now, just between you and me, I knew what your mother was talking about. I was just acting dumb. <laughs> You're a pretty good actor. <laughs> you see, son, another thing about women, they'll try to explain to you how they think. But they don't really want you to understand. <laughs> see what I mean? No. <laughs> Look, I know what's going on in Betty's mind. There's nothing mysterious about it. First, she wanted to meet this Fred next door. Then she found out you told him that and invited him over, and she was embarrassed. Now she won't face it. You couldn't pay her to meet him. Gee, you're pretty sharp, Dad. Well, I know something about women. <laughs> Father. Oh, yes, Princess. What is it? Has Fred come over yet? Fred? <laughs> No, but I thought you didn't want to see him. I don't. Never, never, as long as I live. Well, that's what I thought. Where are you going? 
Up to my room, and I'm going to stay there. I don't want to see anybody ever. Well, all right. Be sure to let me know if he comes. <laughs> hmm. Dad, could you explain that to me again? I'm sorry, Bud. I uh, have a lot of work to do here. I I stayed home from the office today so I could... Uh... Hey, Daddy! Here he comes! Here who comes? The boy next door. He's coming up the walk. What are you going to tell him, Dad? Well, I can't tell him to go home. There he is, Dad. All right, all right. Uh, want me to go to the door? No, I'll go. How do you do, sir? I'm Fred Tibbetts. We're moving in next door. Oh, yes. Your son, Bud, asked me to come over. He said his sister, Betty... Well, come in, Fred. Thank you. Uh, Bud's in the den there. Just go right in. I'll uh, go up and tell Betty you're here. Okay. Hi, Bud. Oh, hi, Fred. Where is he, Daddy? In the den with Bud, and you stay out of there. Where are you going? Upstairs to get your sister. I want to stay here and walk. You go outside. Oh, darn. Oh, I should have gone to the office. Betty. Come in. All right, Princess. Fred's here. He is? Are you coming down? I most certainly am not. <laughs> but you told me to be sure and let you know when he came. I don't want to see him, Father. I don't want to see him. Look, Princess, will you make up your mind? I said I don't want to see him. All right. I'll tell him you don't want to see him. Oh, no, don't do that. <laughs> what? Do you want him to stay? I certainly do not. Oh, my aching head. <laughs> Princess, just give me an answer. Do you want him to go or do you want him to stay? No. <laughs> Betty, the boy is downstairs. What shall I tell him? I don't care, Father. Tell him anything you want. All right. You're not interested in seeing him? No. Good. All I wanted was a definite answer. Jim, are you upstairs? Coming right down. Did you talk to Betty? Yes. I finally figured out that little female mind of hers. She really doesn't want to see the boy. Father, is there someone here to see me? Someone to... <laughs> Betty, I just... I thought you had it all figured out, dear. Father, who's there? Oh, no. <laughs> It's Fred, Princess. Fred who? Fred, the, uh, boy from next door. Just lean back against the wall, dear, and take a deep breath. I think you're confused, Father. That is the most accurate statement she's made all day. I'll be down in a minute. Hey, Dad, Fred's sitting in there. What are you going to do? Well, I'm seriously thinking of going outside and putting my head in a bucket of cold water. Dear, I can't understand why you're so upset. Margaret, I just talked to Betty, and she said... I mean, I told her Fred was here. She knows who he is. Dad. She said, I don't want to see him. Well, what's so strange about that? Dad. Now she's coming down to see him, but she claims she doesn't know who he is. Well, isn't that perfectly Natural? Natural? Dad. Margaret, you mean you understand what's going on in that so-called mind of hers? Well, isn't it rather obvious, dear? Mom. What is it, bud? Ask Dad to look at me. <laughs> D 
dear, look at Bud. What is it, Bud? Thanks, Mom. Dad. Margaret, there's no rhyme or reason. There's no rhyme or reason to the way she's acting, and you know it. Holy cow. But why are you standing here muttering? If you have something to say, say it. What do I do with Fred? He's sitting in there. Hello, Father. Is someone here to see me? Yes, my enchanted one. He's in the den, and you'd better hurry in there before he turns into a pumpkin. Father, you don't make sense. I don't. Come on, Betty. Well, I haven't the slightest idea what this is all about. Hasn't the slightest idea. Get her. Where are you going, dear? Stand here by the door of the den. I've got to hear this. Now, don't eavesdrop. I'm not eavesdropping. I just have to find out how she gets out of this. Betty, this is Fred. Fred, this is my sister, Betty. How do you do? How do you do? I saw you out in front this morning. You were sweeping the walk. Oh? I don't recall seeing you. (laughs) Didn't see him. (laughs) Do you live in the neighborhood, Ted? His name's Fred. You saw him moving in next door. Jim, get Bud out of there. Leave him alone. He's the only sane one in the family. Funny you didn't see me. I saw you. Well, I pay so little attention to what goes on in the neighborhood. Listen to that, Margaret. Be quiet. Bud, didn't you say Fred came over to borrow something? Well, that wasn't... Ted, no. You said you wanted to meet him. (laughs) Who? Me? What a performance. How could I possibly have said I wanted to meet him? I don't mean to be utterly rude, Fred, but after all, it's simply too, too ridiculous. I heard you. (laughs) Oh, that Bud. But he's right. Oh, hush. Anyway, I'm glad you came over, even if Bud did get a little confused. (laughs) Well, I'm glad I did, too. I suppose you'll be going to the college. Oh, sure. You go there? Oh, yes. It's a lot of fun. In fact, there's a big varsity dance Saturday night. I suppose you'll go. She's sneaking up on him like a cat on a bird. (laughs) She's not either. Well, I I don't know anybody in town. Would you like to go to the dance with me? By George, she did it. (laughs) Oh, I'm terribly sorry, Fred. I have another day. Oh, Margaret, what's this? She doesn't have a date. Well, naturally. Maybe another time. Yeah, later on, maybe. They're coming out. Get in the dining room. Well, I hope to see you soon, Betty. Yes, come over again. See you at school. Bye. Isn't he divine, Mother? Isn't he just simply super divine? What a double cross. How could I have possibly said I wanted to meet him? Ha, ha, ha. Oh, be gone, be gone, be gone. Boy, that's the last time I ever do a favor for you. Princess, your old dad gives up. I raised a white flag. I must be very dense, but I confess that I'm completely baffled. About what, Father? You. Me? What have I done, Mother? Nothing that I know of. Now, now wait, wait a minute. I've seen all this with my own eyes. You went through tortures to meet this Fred, this dreamboat. You connived and plotted to get him to ask you to the dance Saturday night. Naturally. Then when he asked you, you refused to go with him. I don't understand it. What was your reason? Oh, very simple. Tomorrow, he'll go to school and he'll meet Janie Liggett. Janie'll swoon over him and he'll ask her to the dance. 
Then tomorrow night, Janie will call me up to tell me the big news that Fred's taking her to the dance. Yes? Then I'll simply say, oh, really? Why, he asked me yesterday and I turned him down. Won't that be super? (laughs) See you later, Father. Margaret, Mm -hmm. do you mind if I sit down? I'm tired, dear. Oh, no, no. You haven't been able to do much work. I'm sorry we've wasted your day. Honey, it wasn't wasted. I've learned more about women today than I ever knew in my life. Quite a day for the head of the Anderson family. He's just completed a liberal education in the wiles and mysteries of the feminine mind. It's evening now, and Jim is in the living room reading the paper when the smallest of the Anderson feminine faction approaches. Like this. Hi, Daddy. Oh, hello, kitten. Can I sit on your lap? Why, sure. Come on up. What's on your little mind? Nothing. I just wanted to sit in your lap. That's what I like about you, kitten. Honest, straightforward, no tricks. You know, I think you're going to be different. You're more like your dad. You're the best old daddy. You really think so? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Could I have a dime, daddy? (laughs) Why, sure, kitten. Here you are. Oh, you're just yummy. Gotta go now. See you later, daddy. Goodbye, honey. Well, large or small, they're all alike. Join us again next week when we'll be back with Father Knows Best, starring Robert Young as Jim Anderson. Until then, good night and good luck from the makers of Post 40% Brand Flakes, America's largest selling brand flakes, and Instant Postum, the drink that's entirely caffeine-free. In our cast were Helen Strom as Kathy, Dorothy Lovett, Rhoda Williams, Ted Donaldson, and Jack Bivens. Father Knows Best was transcribed in Hollywood and written by Paul West and Roswell Rogers. This is Bill Foreman speaking. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll be with me next week for more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. Stay tuned for Ziggy and Stardust next on Zoomer Radio. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.